Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're still, we're going through Ephesians last Wednesday. Uh, we started in chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Uh, and and uh, if you guys remember the first chapter, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, it's very doctrinal. Uh, chapter 4, 5, and 6 are really practical. And so this letter itself as a whole, if you guys read it already, uh, you know that it's very encouraging, right? Paul uh, didn't write it to rebuke the church or to uh, correct the church, but rather just to encourage them in the faith that they already had in Christ Jesus, right? And it's just a, it's just a big encouragement. So last time we were together, we looked at who we were and who we are in Christ Jesus. And that's in chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And we looked at, at that with God's grace being the main focus, right? It all revolved and involved around God's grace. And so we saw two things. We saw why we need God's grace. And secondly, what's involved with God's grace, right? And, and we saw why we needed his grace was obvious that you and I were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, and we were separated from God. But God gave all men the opportunity, while dead, to respond to the call of salvation. So we understand we were dead, we're dead, right? We couldn't have done anything and that's why we needed God's grace. And so we also looked at what was involved in God's grace. Uh, we saw that it was ultimately about God's mercy and God's love, right? Mercy, uh, really having held back that which I deserve. And we saw that by nature, uh, we were and are children of wrath, right? And uh, Before we met the Lord, we were doomed. We were separated from God. Uh, we were just apart from Jesus Christ, right? But because of God's mercy, uh, we are being held back from that condemnation, from that judgment, from that punishment, if you will. And it's as, as a result of God's love and God's mercy uh, toward us. And so this love is one you and I can fully, we, we, we can't necessarily fully comprehend it. Why? Because of verse 7, uh, that in the ages to come, right, uh, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We learn that it's just going to continue going and going and going and going and going. We'll continue to be in awe and in wonder and just, and just fascinated at, at, at just God's love and his kindness toward us. He's going to continue to just pour out on us. Isn't that crazy? I, I can't even, I can't even, my brain is just like, I can't even put that in my head. But let's look at the third thing, right? So let's look at the results of God's grace. This is going to be in verse 11 all the way to verse 22. Uh, in fact, let's just read. It says in verse 11, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace." And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you who are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens and the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place 
of God in the Spirit. So, oh man, we saw a glimpse of the results of God's grace last week and and uh, in verse 8 and so we saw that one result of God's grace was what it was salvation right um Ephesians 2 8 and 9 uh for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves lest anyone boast right and we understood that um it's not just for salvation that you've been given grace but it's for every single day of our lives as a believer in Christ Jesus uh John chapter 1 verse 16 says and of his fullness uh we have all received and uh grace upon grace upon grace upon grace we've been given an unlimited uh ocean of grace that just never ends in our life so talking about a, a endless supply right and so uh why would we even need more grace after salvation well here's another eight reasons why uh, that that Paul's going to give us. So here's eight things about the results of God's grace. Number one, it made us near. It made us near. Notice in verse 11, it says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we were afar off, uh, but with his grace, we have been made near which is amazing so these three verses if you guys caught this are very very similar to the first four verses in chapter two that we started with last wednesday which we learned and it talked about that we were just we're well we're rotten sinners right we were condemned we were depraved we were dead in our trespasses and sins by nature we were children of god in verse four but god right and that changed everything it was like oh and then all of a sudden oh right the lord came in and he just changed it all up and and we thought at one time in our lives that we belonged here to this world we thought we were the citizens of this world and we realize now that we're born again now that we're saved by grace now that God's come into our life and changed our life it's him who transforms us all of a sudden we realize we didn't belong to this world we are foreigners we're just passing by right we're not made to be a part of this world we're made to be a part of Christ right speaking of a relationship with him so Paul changes it here in verses 11 and 12 uh, from the focus on uh, the people in general in verses 1 to 10 to now on the Gentiles specifically and notice in verse 11 talking about the uncircumcision that's speaking of the Gentiles right you and me since they were not circumcised in the flesh uh, like the Jews uh, were circumcised so we were afar off in verse 17 he says the same thing he says in verse 17 and he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who are near. So you and I, apart from Jesus Christ, we're afar off from Jesus Christ. You can be a good moral person, you can have a great job, great family, great whatever, uh, but you're afar off from Jesus Christ if he is not living and abiding in your life, if you're not walking according to his will. So you are like the Gentiles that you weren't able to come into the commonwealth of Israel. You weren't able to be a part of the covenant promises that God gave to the children of Israel. And so Verse 13, but now, right, in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. So the result of God's grace is that you and I have been brought near. And how have you and I been brought near? But by Jesus Christ, right? It was him who did the work. You and I are not made uh, or drawn near by our good works. We, we don't draw or, or brought near because of our time at church or our tithing or our service to the Lord here at a church. It was nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ that we are able now to draw near, right? It was because of what Jesus did upon the cross for the whole world, right? For our sins. 
uh, that we're able to be drawn near. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. He passed over because of his blood. Romans 5, 9, you and I have been justified because of his blood. In fact, Colossians 1, 14, we understand that we have been redeemed because of his blood. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Guys, Hebrews 9, 22, it says, and according to the law, Almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, right? So we are made clean and made to be allowed now to come near uh, to God because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And guys, I will tell you what, that is God's grace, amen? Talk about grace on our lives. Uh, let's come to the second thing here. It made us one. It made us one in verses 14 and 15. Uh, it says in verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made both, speaking of Jews and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the, the enmity that is the, the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. So we'll stop right here. The, 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 the Jew and the Gentiles, by the way, they've always been enemies, right? They've been at war with each other. The Jews even said back in the day, uh, the only reason that God made the Gentiles was to feed the, the flames of fire in hell, <laughs> yikes right that makes me feel great as a gentile gee thanks guys but that's that's encouraging right for the rest of us but but when jesus christ died on the cross he tore the that middle wall of separation if you will uh, that separated uh that, that that division if you will from the jews and the gentiles you guys remember back in the day the temple uh, they literally was an actual wall separating them during that time. Uh, there's the, the court of the Gentiles, there's the court of the, the Jews. And if the Gentile were to cross that line into the Jews, uh, the court basically, uh, it, the punishment was death. You literally would die if you crossed that line. And so the problem was they thought, according to verse 15, they thought the law would bring peace, but it didn't. Jesus abolished, the, verse 15, the enmity, right? The animosity, the war, if you will, uh, of the law of commandments, this barrier, this wall of separation. By the way, you guys remember, okay, so, so the old covenant, was brought to us by blood, right? Uh, the new covenant is brought to us by blood. What's the difference? Well, the old covenant, the Old Testament, the law, uh, that blood was from animals, right? It was animal blood, the bulls and goats and whatnot. Uh, but the new covenant in the New Testament was brought to us by whose blood? Jesus's blood God's blood his own blood his own son he would he would shed for you and I which should speak volumes more so to you and I as the Gentiles right that we were brought in because of his blood and that's grace his blood speaks of grace this is to me it's the same thing um, but he abolished right doesn't mean by the way destroyed uh, uh, it means to render ineffective, to make powerless, right? So Jesus is talking about the law. In fact, in uh, Matthew 5, 17, he says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. He says, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So the law was not destroyed, 
but the law was completed, right? So to make both the Jew and the Gentile one, that was the whole purpose, to make them one. And only Jesus Christ could have done, he's the only one who could have done this, and it was because of the cross, because of what he did, right? And that's huge uh, for the Jews and the Gentiles now, that they are one. In other words, they're both believers. There's one faith that we have in Christ Jesus. We're now all sharing in that commonwealth of Israel. The promises are now to all of us. In fact, Galatians 3, um, uh, there it is, 28, it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus, right? There is now a unity. There's no longer a difference. And there's no partiality in Christ Jesus. All uh, can come to his salvation, right? It doesn't matter the things that you've done in your past, right? There's, there's nothing that you've done that his grace is not sufficient, right? There's nothing that you, you have done that his blood cannot cover. Isn't that amazing? For me, I'm, whoo, that's, oh man, I want to worship another, let's get the team up here, guys, let's just sing again, right, this is just, by his blood, we're made pure, we're made right, right, Jesus not only brought peace uh, be, between the Jew and the Gentile, but he also brought peace between us and himself, by the way, how by the tearing down of the middle uh, of the wall of division, basically, in the temple, you guys understand there's the holy place, if you will, right? Then there's the, 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 the middle wall of separation was the veil, uh, and then there's the holy of holies. And the high priest would enter in once a year, right, to, to, to come in and sprinkle the blood. And, but he would come in once a year, but he would pass by that wall of separation, that veil, which brought enmity between man and God. It, it separated us from our relationship with the Lord. And, but when Jesus Christ died on the cross... Matthew chapter 27, the veil of the temple was torn in two. Not from the bottom to the top, showing that man did it, but from the top to the bottom, showing that God, uh, he literally, um, he basically, he broke that middle wall of division between man and God, right? And so now we can have a relationship with the Lord. And so the point is, God's grace made us one, not only with each other, but also with himself, right, as, as a, a believer. So uh, it also brought peace. Notice we skip verse 14 a little bit here. Uh, it says in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. So there's a lot of things in this world that are unpeaceful, right? A lot of things in this world that can bring us, just make us uneasy and uh, can really get us down, if you will. But if you have Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life, um, if he's your Lord and Savior, then he shares his peace with you. Isn't that great? And, and, and he himself is our peace. Did you guys catch that? He is our peace. Some of us pray for peace, but did you guys know you already have it? If he is in you, you have the peace of God ruling and reigning in your hearts, right? Uh, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen, church. I think of, um, uh, who wrote it? Mark uh, was talking about the disciples, right? Remember when they're on the sea? The, the, the seas, the, 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 the waves are just, whoosh, they're crashing like crazy. They think that they're going to, and these are fishermen, right? They're used to being out there on the water. They're not nauseous, right? They're, they, they understand being out there on the water. But this water, this night, something happened. Something changed. Something was terrifying them so bad that they were in a panic mode. And they're trying to save everybody. And they look, where's Jesus? Oh, let's go find him. Oh, there he is down there. And the, uh, What is he doing? He's asleep on the hammock, maybe, right? <laughs> Just, he's snoring away. Didn't they wake him up? What do you do, right? But they were in panic mode, and they thought it was the end of the world, right, for them. But what did Jesus do? Rewind. He said, let us cross to the other side. 
Let us cross to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And I think that's what Jesus is calling some of you today. Maybe you've come to church. Maybe you've, you just, maybe you're doing the Christian thing, but you're not, you haven't given your life to the Lord. What would Jesus say to you? He would say, let us go to the other side. Let's go. Let's get done with this world. Let's stop playing with this compromise and this sin. And let's go to the, let, let's go together, right? Let's do this together. In other words, by you, what do we do? How do we do that? Well, we pick up our cross. In other words, we got to die. We got to let go and let God, right? That's my little logo. Um, we should get a t-shirt, right? Let go and let God. Uh, but uh, it, it's all about what the Lord can do in our lives. But let's come to the third thing here. Um, we, his grace made us new. His grace made us new. Notice in verse 15, uh, it says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. So when you're born again, you chose to follow Jesus Christ, right? You repented of your sins. Um, you believed that the Lord Jesus, he is Lord and Savior over your life, right? You understand that he came in the flesh, uh, so you know who he is and what he's what he came to do, right? And and you were made new. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're, you're new internally, right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So I think of the caterpillar, right? Ugly, slimy, crawling little thing, right? But what happens? There's a transformation and it, it begins to fly. It's a butterfly. It's boom, only God, right? Only There's another one for you, right? Only God. Get that on your t-shirt. Uh, only God. I can just... Only God, right? Only he can do something like that. In other words, you and I are updated, right? We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We still make mistakes in this new life that we've been given. Uh, uh, the Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? We, we make mistakes uh, because we still have a choice in our decision making. And God is not ruling over every decision that we make unless we hand it over to him, right? Unless we hand it over to the Lord and allow him to take over. Uh, but we got to understand that we're at war with the flesh and the spirit, right? And we need to recognize that we are, well, <laughs> we're wretched, right? Paul said uh, it's, it's only Jesus can deliver us from our sins. And so if you are in Christ Jesus, you're absolutely new. You have uh, uh, been delivered from the bondage, really, of oppression and of sin that you used to, you were stuck in and you lived in. Uh, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7. You can read it on your own. We're free in Christ, guys. We're no longer bound to the things of this world. And, and amen, church? <laughs> I just, that's amazing. I love it. So let's come to the fourth thing here. And I got to slow down. Maybe we'll just pray between each one of these or something because we're flying through. Um, I get excited when I get up here. I just want to keep, let's just keep going. But the fourth is his grace made us reconciled. His grace made us reconcile. Notice in verse 16, it says, And that he, Jesus, might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So enmity, the animosity, the hatred, if you will, the, the war between each other, between us and God, right? And by the way, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to your left this whole concept of being made reconciled to God or to Christ is important for us to understand, um, I think, personally, not only personally, but really corporately as well. All of us together need to understand it as the body of Christ. You see, the word reconcile means to restore back to its previous condition. So to reconcile something is to put something back to its prior state of being. And this speaks of man Prior to our sin nature in Genesis, uh, get the picture. You and I, because of the cross, have been made uh, back into our pre previous uh, condition, right? That we, back then, what was it like at, at, there in the garden, right? It was a state of righteousness, a state of holiness, a state of perfection, 
as far as our position in Christ goes, right? We were perfect, we are, but you have been reconciled to Christ. Now, if you're there at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen. Oh, this is just, uh, I don't know about you, but I read this and it's, 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 it's amazing. Since you and I have been given this ministry of reconciliation, we now are ambassadors, God's mouthpiece, if you will, for Christ, right? And, and we've been given this ministry, you, uh, if you're a believer, you've been given a ministry of what? Reconciliation. There's your mission, if you will, right? And what is your mission? To reconcile others to God. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You're telling me because I became reconciled to God, now I have to go and reconcile other people to the Lord, even though they're my enemies, even though they're maybe my boss who's really harsh and and tough with me, I got to reconcile them to Christ? Yes, (laughs) right? Uh, In fact, turn to Colossians chapter 1, a couple pages to your right. Uh, For me, it's probably five pages. Colossians chapter 1, we ought to be so thankful that God has given us this, uh, his reconciliation, really that, um, so much so that we would want to reconcile others, right? We ought to appreciate what God's given us, and, and it should pour out of us, right? If it's been poured into us, we should be pouring it out of ourselves. And so despite how mean, how horrible, how uh, unforgiving that they are, to, we are to forgive them, right? Recognize, recognize that they are in the same sin nature that we were in prior to coming to Christ, right? We didn't know. We were blind. What's our natural response going to be? Of course it's going to be all harsh and dumb, right? It's going to be tough. And and so don't take it personally when the world around you acts like that. They ought to be acting like that, right? They're the world. But for you as a believer, you forgive them. In other words, you die for them. What did Jesus do for us? He died on the cross for us. What should we do for them? Well, we ought to be dying for them as well. We ought to be bleeding for them daily. No, oh, I bled for them you know, 15 years ago. No, daily, man. Pick up your cross and follow the Lord. When you pick up your cross, that thing is heavy, right? That thing, it gets tough. And it's a struggle. What is it a struggle for? Not in the flesh, but it's a struggle that, that, remember, you're at war with the flesh and the spirit, right? But the more that you feed one, the more one is going to grow. What do you want? What's your plan? What's your mission for your life? Do you want the Lord to live and abide and dwell in you? Because he is, if you're a believer. But you got to allow him daily, right? And he'll do that work in and through us. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Look at, let's go to verse 19. It says in verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him all, and this is in Christ Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or the things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were Notice the word were, this is past tense, right? You were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he, Jesus, has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present, this is future tense now, to present you, number one, holy and blameless, and number three, above reproach in his sight. Isn't that amazing? 
he, only he can do that, by the way. You can't do that. Only he can do that. It's something that we ought to re- receive, but what a blessing that is. So let's go back to go back to Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, right? Chapter 2, uh, number 5, his grace made us to have access as well. His grace made us to have access. Notice in verses 17 and 18, it says in verse 17, and he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near for through him we both the Jew and Gentile have access by one spirit to the father in fact turn to Hebrews chapter 4 Hebrews chapter 4 um, and uh, we were so far off, we couldn't reach the Father, but now we have access in his presence, right? We have that access. People have access to the most powerful people in the world. They have access to the most amazing places in the world. I have access to this church building, right? <laughs> but there's nothing like having access to the Lord himself, right? To enter in to the, the, the throne room of grace in, in petition and asking for God's mercy and for God's grace on whatever situation we're going through in our lives, right? And it's, it's literally, it, oh, it's amazing. So um, look at Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 14. Hebrews 4, 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help to help in time of need. So how do we have this access? It's only through Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus is, uh, it's John chapter 10 verse 9 says, he says, I am the door. Right. If anyone wants to enter by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Right. Our access is Jesus himself. He is our door to the Father that we enter in and we're allowed in his presence. But it's only through coming through this door, Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said in John fourteen six, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Right? He says, uh, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's very obvious, right? So, uh, in fact, 1 Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 5, uh, it says, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so, if you want to come to the Father, you have to come through Jesus Christ. It's not coming through religion. It's not going through rituals or traditions of man. It's not sales. It's not deeds of, of, of the flesh. It's not about community. Right? It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And access to God doesn't mean that you have to go through the Pope. Doesn't mean that you have to go through the Watchtower, Joseph Smith, Muhammad. You don't need to come uh, to be on a board at church. You don't have to be a member of a church, by the way. Uh, it's only through Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. amen. Thank you. Um, amen. So, let's come to the sixth. Back in Ephesians chapter two, the sixth uh, reason uh, is his grace made us citizens. His grace made us citizens. In verse 19, it says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Um, actually, let's keep going. It says, oh, no, no, let's just stop right there. We're, we're no longer strangers who are afar off, right? And now some people are still strange. Don't get me wrong, right? There's some of them out there. But when they come to Christ, guess what? They're now one with you, right? There's still a oneness about them. There's some strange people in the world. I remember coming across a strange person and it was like, they're, they're strange, but you know what? There's something about them that we're just, we're so like-minded. We love Jesus, right? Um, I, I, uh, 
my office is basically coffee shops, right? I like going to coffee shops and studying, and, and I'll bring this big old thing right here, right? And, and uh, I have my Bible, and if somebody else has their Bible, I'm like, hey, is that a Bible? Boom, we strike a conversation. All of a sudden, there's a oneness in Christ Jesus, right? I'm like, what's your favorite verse? Oh, my favorite verse is in there. And we just keep going, and there's just this... You just want to give them a hug and you have no clue who they are. But you know that they love Jesus and it's like, oh, come here. Um, but because we're made one, we're not, we're not strangers of one another, right? So uh, we're, we're no longer strangers in Christ Jesus. Right now we're, 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 uh, there's a oneness. But guess what? Get, guess what happened? Once you came to Christ, now you're strangers to the world, at first, you were you guys were brothers, right? There was a oneness, there was a friendship with the world. The world loves its own, right? And and yet now that you're born again, you're literally transformed. You're changed in the image that the world can only see. You don't see it at first, right? You're still blind in a sense. Everything's been open and revealed to you, and and now you're born again. But you're a baby, and you you don't realize that you have a different eyes, you have different lens, if you will, and. And now you go back to your friends and they're like, hey, hey man, how come you're not doing what we do? How come you don't do, how come you're not cussing anymore? How come you're not doing this? How come you're not, right? And it's like, what? And, they're, and then all of a sudden they change, right? They're like, you're not, you're different, man. You're not one of us. You're strange, right? And it's like, whoa. It's, if you're like me, I got hit hard. I was like, whoa, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I, I don't want to smoke it. I don't want to do what you do. And, and, uh, but I just want to hang out with you guys still. But I couldn't. I tried for so long. But my spirit and their spirit was totally different. Right? And, and there was enmity, if you will. There was, there was war that I had no clue that I was walking in. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the world sees you and says, you're strange, man. <laughs> and it's true, right? We're out of this world. We really are. Um, anyways, let's come to the seventh thing about God's grace here. Uh, God's grace made us grow. He, it made us grow. Notice in verse 20, back in Ephesians 2, uh, it says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So, by the way, that word stone is in, it's italicized, right? So it's not there in the original uh, Greek. But in verse 20, Paul's talking about this foundation that is laid. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I love that. Jesus is not only the foundation of the church, he is the chief cornerstone of the church. By the way, the, the cornerstone ties the whole building together. Without it, the building comes crumbling down. Right? And according to Matthew chapter 16, here it gets even better. You guys, but wait, right? <laughs> this also includes, right? Matthew 16 also says that he is the builder of the church, right? So he is building his own church, and without him, it all falls apart. Uh, in verse 21, you and I are the church building. We are the church, right? And we're growing into the, this holy temple of the Lord, if you will. And, and we're maturing in the Lord. Um, by the way, when it comes to maturing in the Lord, there's, I always have to add it in there because there's that, that just natural, your flesh. It's your flesh, right? And your flesh naturally is at war with this. But you want to mature in Christ. You're a believer in Christ now. Maybe you're born again, but you're, in, you're a baby in Christ. And you're like, I don't like being a baby anymore. Everybody's eating that steak over there. And I want steak, right? And so I'm going to grow. And what am I going to do if I want to grow? I'm going to start coming to church more. I'm going to start worshiping the Lord more, I'm going to start fellowshipping more, I'm going to start reading more, and praying more, and giving more, and, and there, I call it the more syndrome, right? And you think the more you do, the more you become, right? The more uh, mature in Christ you become, but is that the case? 
No, it's not. That's not how we grow in Christ Jesus. These things are not the means to the end. They are the end. It's because we do those things because we are saved, but it's because we're saved that it's just a natural result of something naturally you'll do. It's not something you'll, you, you gotta, you gotta do, right? Or you, you gotta do if you wanna grow. But catch this. I found this. It's a little golden nugget, if you will. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18 gives us the answer. It says, but grow. Here it is. You want to grow? You want to mature in Christ Jesus? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen, church? So as we rely on God's grace, as we'll get in the word of God, and we won't just read a whole bunch, but we'll want to read to where God is speaking to us, right? That still small voice. If you're like me, maybe it's the first verse I read, and I'm like, wah! Right? Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, right? That's usually my response. Um, and Or help. <laughs> wow! Uh, or it could just be that you read a chapter, right? And, and whatever it is. But God's word, the more you grow in the knowledge of the word of God, but by the grace of God, right? As you're growing in his grace, and the knowledge of him, you're able now to glorify him because, uh, and you're growing, you're maturing. So how do you and I grow? It's by grace, right? It's not by doing good works. We learned that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, lest any man boast, right? And you will if you do. But it's not about us and thinking, you know, that I could be a benefit, you know, in some way or, or uh, um, how do I say it, uh, I'm going to go to church, and how how can I be benefited from going to church today, right? As some people's uh, heart. Some people come to church thinking, what can I get out of this, right? But instead of, how can I benefit God today? That should be our hearts, right? And 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 it's if people want to come to our fellowship, it's not what, you know, can benefit them, because what can benefit them, what's our heart's desire for them, is to die, <laughs> pick up their cross, and follow Jesus. That doesn't sound like a benefit, does it? But our benefit is Jesus. If that is not uh, good enough, then then what's going to happen to your heart? It's going to become bitter. You're going to become murmuring and complaining about the color of the seats, the the lights, the worship. The teaching is too short, right? Amen, right? Some of you guys, right? Needs to be longer. No, I'm just joking. But it's it's just crazy. So we we come to church because we want to benefit the Lord, right? And we don't come to get, we come to give from our hearts worship unto the Lord, whether that means in song, whether that means in fellowship, whether it means now in the teaching of God's word, whether it means in prayer, uh, whatever it might be, but through the, the, the service that we give in church, um, but, but it's from our hearts that we give from, to the Lord, right? We want to give the Lord our all. With all our might, we want to give unto the Lord. And so it's not about us, it's about Jesus. Amen, church? So that's the attitude we should all have. And so our problem is we think we can. In other words, pride, right? We think we can, and but we can't. We can't be the church on our own. We need his grace really to perform his will because it's his church, right? It's not ours. It's not us, right? It's not up to us, I should say. God, what does he do? He, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. So um, people can get very prideful when it comes to sin and they try working in the flesh to improve and become something great uh, and somehow you know that we can overcome our flesh thinking we can do it but we can't right we need to humble ourselves and allow the Lord to do that work understand any righteousness any holiness never comes through the work of the flesh always comes through the work of the spirit right and so when I say the word I the next word better be can't. <laughs> I can't, right? Uh, it's got to be the work of the Lord. It can't be our work. Not by, uh, what, Zechariah 4, 6, right? Um, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Thank you. Whew, that was embarrassing. Oh, I memorized that one. Um, so now when we receive God's grace, we, we want to come to church now, right? Because of God's grace, now it's a get to. Now I want to fellowship. Now I want to worship. Now I want to sit in the teaching. Now I want to do these things because of the work of Christ in our hearts. And so let's end with the last, the eighth thing here about God's grace. God's grace made us 
habitable, right? Notice in verse 21, the end of verse 21, uh, well, let's read all of 21. It says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows in a, into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So we are a dwelling place for God to dwell in. And you have an opportunity to, for God to dwell in you today as well. It's all about God's grace, right? And the the question really is, do you desire God to dwell in every part of your life, right? Every part. Is God allowed with your words, right? The words that you speak to your family, to your coworkers. Is he allowed to be with you? Is he allowed to be with the things that you're listening to? Is he allowed to enter into these thoughts that you're having? Is he allowed to go to the places that you're going? Is he allowed to to handle the things that you handle. You guys get the point, right? And, and so really, uh, man, allow the Lord to dwell in the fullness, in all your heart, right? Let it just overflow. The more you get in the word of God, let it transform you. Let him do his work in you, in his timing, right? It's in, in the work of the Lord and what he wants to do. But I don't know about you guys, but I am so thankful for God's grace. Amen, church? Aren't you? Amen. If you guys are okay, I like to, let's stand up and let's, let's pray. Uh, I hope you guys are encouraged. As I was going through this, there was just so many times I was just, Lord, I need your grace. <laughs> the more you study and the more you look at God's grace, it's the more you desire and want more of it, right? So um, let's, let's pray. Um, Lord, oh, Lord, we, we do need your grace. We desire your grace, Lord. Without your grace, we're nothing. We have nothing. We're, we're, we're hopeless and helpless by our own uh, nature, Lord, of our flesh. And um, Lord, we, we pray that you would just continue to look upon us. Grant us favor in your sight, Lord, that we might come before you uh, broken, Lord, and humble, and, and realizing, Lord, that we're only there because of you. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, do the work that you desire to do in us. Lord, use us as your ambassadors to go forth into this world to reconcile others to yourself, Lord. I pray by your grace, by your strength, Lord, through your spirit in us, by faith, Lord, uh, that we would just trust you in the circumstance that we're in right now, and that we would continue to look to you in all things, and just know that you're God. To, to, to know, Lord, that you got it all under control. Now, there's a lot of things right now that we could be uh, fearful of uh, with the, the earthquakes, the, the pestilence, the plagues, the viruses going around. Uh, but, Lord, we pray uh, for our brothers and sisters, even who are being persecuted right now, uh, Lord, that you would strengthen them, Father, that they would not deny you, that they would continue to take a stand uh, in in who you are, that the world might be reconciled to you, Lord, that we would demonstrate your love to them, uh, that they might be saved. And so I pray, Lord, that you would go before us, protect us, Lord, as we go and watch over us. And just thank you so much, Lord, that we're able to go uh, and have a roof over our own heads tonight, Lord, to have food in our homes. And you've given us more of, a, of an abundance, Lord, and we're so thankful for that. And uh, Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's got to be the work of the Lord. It can't be our work. Not by, uh, what, Zechariah 4, 6, right? Um, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Thank you. Whew, that was embarrassing. Oh, I memorized that one. Um, so now when we receive God's grace, we, we want to come to church now, right? Because of God's grace, now it's a get-to. Now I want to fellowship. Now I want to worship. Now I want to sit in the teaching. Now I want to do these things because of the work of Christ in our hearts. And so let's end with the last, the eighth thing here about God's grace. God's grace made us habitable, right? Notice in verse 21, the end of verse 21, uh, well, let's read all of 21. It says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows in a, into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So we are a dwelling place for God to dwell in. And you have an opportunity to, for God to dwell in you today as well. It's all about God's grace, right? And the, the question really is, do you desire God to dwell in every part of your life, 
right? Every part. Is God allowed with your words, right? The words that you speak to your family, to your coworkers. Is he allowed to be with you? Is he allowed to be with the things that you're listening to? Is he allowed to enter into these thoughts that you're having? Is he allowed to go to the places that you're going? Is he allowed to to handle the things that you handle. You guys get the point, right? And, and so really, uh, man, allow the Lord to dwell in the fullness, in all your heart, right? Let it just overflow. The more you get in the word of God, let it transform you. Let him do his work in you, in his timing, right? It's in, in the work of the Lord and what he wants to do. But I don't know about you guys, but I am so thankful for God's grace. Amen, church? Aren't you? Amen. If you guys are okay, I like to, let's stand up and let's, let's pray. Uh, I hope you guys are encouraged. As I was going through this, there's just so many times I was just, Lord, I need your grace. <laughs> the more you study and the more you look at God's grace, it's the more you desire and want more of it, right? So um, let's, let's pray. Um, Lord, oh, Lord, we, we do need your grace. We desire your grace, Lord. Without your grace, we're nothing. We have nothing. We're, we're, we're hopeless and helpless by our own uh, nature, Lord, of our flesh. And um, Lord, we, we pray that you would just continue to look upon us. Grant us favor in your sight, Lord, that we might come before you uh, broken, Lord, and humble, and, and realizing, Lord, that we're only there because of you. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, do the work that you desire to do in us. Lord, use us as your ambassadors to go forth into this world to reconcile others to yourself, Lord. I pray by your grace, by your strength, Lord, through your spirit in us, by faith, Lord, uh, that we would just trust you in the circumstance that we're in right now, and that we would continue to look to you in all things, And just know that you're God. To to, to know, Lord, that you got it all under control. Now, there's a lot of things right now that we could be uh, fearful of uh, with the the earthquakes, the the pestilence, the plagues, the viruses going around. Uh, But, Lord, we pray uh, for our brothers and sisters, even who are being persecuted right now, uh, Lord, that you would strengthen them, Father, that they would not deny you, that they would continue to take a stand uh, in, in who you are, that the world might be reconciled to you, Lord, that we would demonstrate your love to them, uh, that they might be saved. And so I pray, Lord, that you would go before us, protect us, Lord, as we go and watch over us. And just thank you so much, Lord, that we're able to go uh, and have a roof over our own heads tonight, Lord, to have food in our homes. And you've given us more of, a, of an abundance, Lord, and we're so thankful for that. And uh, Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.